tiger, tiger burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread grasp dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? You know, I get tiger blood, man. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about, now on patreon.com forward slash speak all evil. Come see us over there if you like the show. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Hi, so good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Hey, you're welcome. We never ask you back. We never ask you back, do we? It's a jungle out there. Rarely, but (laughs) it's, it's a formality. I don't, you know, I'm always doing fine. This week, Tigers? (laughs) <laughs> we're talking about tigers in horror i know it sounds it sounds kind of random i have to admit uh when this idea hit my desk i uh it was like four o'clock i was trying to get out of the office i i like what are these guys talking about i don't know tigers that's fine you know me i'm easy i'll do whatever i can find a movie or I can watch your movie it doesn't really matter to me i'm open so this week um uh, dave and kevin uh picked a couple tiger horror movies and I want to say Kevin before I throw it over to you and throw you to the tigers <laughs> I I loved both movies I am totally um, taking back any reluctance I had to do a tigers episode <laughs> I'm very excited about both of these movies what do you no, what do you got for us it's it's tigers and tigers and tigers oh my exclamation point not tigers? Question <laughs> mark. Well, that's in Trent's head. Yeah, it sounds like that's an what it implied was. semicolon in there. That's just know. how I've thought of it for a while. <laughs> so the first movie we're going to talk about is 2010's Burning Bright. This is done by a director named Carlos Brooks, who literally has one other movie to his name, Quid Pro Quo, in 2008. That's it. That's all I could find on this guy. So I don't know if Burning Bright was like. You know his his life's passion, and then he went off to like raise llamas or something, or maybe tigers. I don't know. It's a pretty simple premise. You have Kelly and Tom, who are two children who recently lost their mother. They are now living with their stepfather, Johnny, and a hurricane is descending upon where they live. I believe it's Florida. I'm going to assume it's Florida. I'm going to assume all things like this happen in Florida, and people like Johnny like are the like suspect number one in Florida all the time. Basically, Johnny has squandered all the money they have left to buy a tiger. 
because he wants to start a safari situation uh, on their land. And what happens is Kelly wakes up. The house has been completely boarded up, including the doors, to protect from the hurricane. Well, quote unquote, protect them from the hurricane. And she discovers alone in the house with Tom that this tiger is now roaming the halls. And by the way, this tiger hasn't eaten in a couple weeks, so he's liking the Kelly and Tom menu before him. Kat, what did you think of Burning Bright? I wouldn't say that Burning Bright was my favorite movie that I've ever seen. It might be the stupidest movie that I've ever seen. (laughs) Oh, wow. Hot take, hot take. This movie, the plot was ridiculous. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. The plot was ridiculous. The acting was fine, I guess. It had that, like, Joe Exotic wannabe stepdad, which I guess I appreciated to an extent. We honestly didn't get that much tiger time, if you think about it. I feel like I just watched that girl whisper a lot and get all sweaty and then run around and then, like, make the hands at her brother, like, trying to high-five him or whatever was going on. There's hardly any tiger injuries. There's, like, less than a handful of tiger injuries in this movie. I was hoping for more of a a Jaws-esque tiger film. So I was willing to suspend belief that a tiger could be evil, quote-unquote. Uh, but it just didn't really deliver for me. It was more of just like a sad family like murder mystery featuring a tiger. This one didn't do it for me. All right, Carol Baskin. Oh, hey, hey all you cool cats here. and kittens. There was a lot of, um, I, had, I had seen both of these movies before I had seen The Tiger King. But there's a lot of themes, reoccurring themes that happen. And it seems kind of like uh, just the presence of the tiger makes people get all sketchy primal uh they just go with their like self-preservation instincts they they feed into their hunger um and i i kind of liked this was a stupid movie it was like some movie you might see like the best movie that was ever on the sci-fi channel but i love this movie i like it i like how menacing the tiger is and i like that it all leads up to some gore and death. Um, and wh- the kid who's in Ozark is in this, mm-hmm. and he's like a little baby baby kid. But the thing where the, he, the autistic kid uh, just might scream out at any moment, he's just a total wild card. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I love that kind of suspense in movies um, because you just feel so out of control and you just want to be able to like, all right, we just need to be quiet because that's what I think of if I get one of these situations. Like I'm going to need to, if I'm with a four of you guys, we're going to have to communicate and we're going to have to be on the same page if we're going to make it through shit. And, you know, it was impossible to get this kid on the page. But she did a great job. She ran around in her skivvies the whole movie um, and sweated on a tiger mm-hmm. and climbed up the... The ventilation thing. That was my favorite scene, I think. Um, you know, cinematically, I love the the shots of the tiger looking up. And I appreciate all the real tiger. There were three different real tigers that played parts in this movie. So shout out to the real tiger, even if there was some really cheesy slow motion. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I like this movie. It was very 
for what it is, I felt like it was minimalist. Uh, I didn't mind the bad like USA dialogue. But uh, would would you? I'd already know what you what you think. But go ahead. I loved this movie. I'd never heard of this. <laughs> when you said um, "Burning Bright," I was like, oh, "Is that like Val Kilmer one from the '90s or the Man Eating oh, Tiger?" Oh, I remember or that one. That's that's what I thought we were watching. So, and I don't like to look these up before I'm about to watch them. I, if I haven't heard of it, I just. I don't look at anything. I just look at where it is, where do I have to watch it. So I knew nothing about this, and I loved it so much. Um, this is on Tubi right now, or you can rent it on a number of platforms. I rented it. Um, I was so pleasantly surprised. It reminded me a lot of uh, Crawl, the recent uh, Alexandra mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Aja one. Um, mm-hmm. I actually liked it more than Crawl. Yeah, I did too. This is way wow. better than Crawl. Yeah. Crawl wasn't that good, to yeah. be honest. But I would I would describe this movie as... Siegfried and Roy's wet t-shirt contest gone wrong (laughs) stepdad stepdad took the kids to see the wet t-shirt tiger contest and went and he went got drunk in the beer tent and the kids are alone with the escaped tiger and it goes pretty bad from there it is comically male gaze shout out feminist theory okay it's just it's so over the top with that that I loved it um, the pacing is taught. The bod is taught. There the is are taught. There's an actual taught in it. T.O.T. I mean, this <laughs> this movie has it all. I was all in on this, and I really appreciate that you guys made me watch this. Good, good. How, di- vastly different takes. I was able to intro the movie and not even uh, give my opinion, there, thereby letting you all three of you talk and just while I loaded up my gun. <laughs> yeah, you. I noticed you skated right by your yeah, evaluation. Yeah, was intentional. Yeah, good call. Good catch. Um, so we we kind of started this before we were rolling, and I said, you know, this is the the far inferior film to to the other one that we're going to talk about tonight. But hey, I agree with every, you guys. Just hit every single reason I love and don't love this movie. Dave's comment about it's like the best movie you've ever seen on the sci-fi channel uh totally spot on trent you comparing it to crawl i actually it reminded me a lot of the reef the andrew truckee movie that we watched on sharks week right and it reminded me a lot of his other film blackwater that i went and watched after we had seen the reef um which is a another crocodile or gator movie uh yeah it's it's so ridiculous brianna a vegan plays kelly and the entire movie, I just kept yelling at the TV, put on some fucking pants. <laughs> like, literally take five seconds and put on some pants. And then, nah. and then just, just when you're, like, sort of desensitized to the fact that she's been in underwear the whole movie, then she takes, like, a full 60 seconds to put on pants. And it's, like, the last five minutes of the movie. Oh, and they're, like, size zero Wranglers, like, that you could barely move in. She's, yeah. like, struggling to put them on. Like, put on some sweatpants or some Carhartts or some shit. <laughs> um, I recognized her from, from, like, the Sorority Row remake, Mother's Day. She's got a bunch of, like, little horror movie movies to her cred. Uh, Tom, the autistic brother that we're talking about, played by Charlie Tehan. Yep, he's an Ozark, but he was in the Wayward Pines TV show, which is yes. actually, I love the Wayward Pines books. I wasn't a huge fan of the television adaptation. Uh, and he was in, in Castle Rock, too. And then you have Garrett Dillahunt, who plays Johnny, the, the creepy, weird-ass stepdad. 
I'm going to take offense to the fact that you said that he was the Tiger King of this movie, Cat, because he's not. You know who is? Fucking Meatloaf, who How sold him the tiger. Forget? That is the Tiger King Meatloaf. of Burning Bright. I was wondering if it was Meatloaf. It's Meatloaf. Like, Meatloaf. He's totally uncredited. Um, and I, So I kept racking my brain as to where I recognized Johnny from, and he's the creepy-ass dude in the 2009 Last House on the Left remake. And as soon as oh, I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. right. He was like Krug or whatever the hell weird name he had. Uh, but look, I, I, I like the movie. I thought it was totally fine that there wasn't a ton of tiger because I appreciate the fact, like Dave said, they used real tigers. They never actually had the actors in the same place as the tigers, so it was they sort of had to splice this footage together, which is why sometimes you would get like the kind of cheesy slow-mo and, and some, some pretty bad special effects in this. Um, but here's here's what made me sort of comfortable with this movie. And this is 2010, so we're, we're almost 11 years past this. And you can kind of watch this and see how far movies, even B-movies like this, have come. This movie reminded me, it was like a flashback to standing at an old video store that used to be near my house. And, and it was like right in Standish. And it was, you know, it wasn't a chain video store. It was some, like, random dude that had, like, a video store in the back of a fucking Dunkin' Donuts or something. And I would stand there and go through the B-movies all day long, VHS. This is the movie that I would have rented, brought home, watched it as many times as I possibly could have when I was, like, 15 years old, brought it back, and then probably would have re-rented it in, like, subsequent weeks uh, when I got bored of, like, Mosquito or something. So there was some sort of, like, a comfort to this movie. Um, that made me like it. And, and, you know, you're never going to win an argument on this movie, whether it's good or bad, because everybody's points are going to be valid. But I don't understand why Cat hates it so much. I just, I, I, listen, going. Is it a cat thing? It's a cat thing. I'm very protective catty. about my cat. I'm catty <laughs> about my cat films. All right. I, I just, the minute it started and it was like, Oh, I bought this. I spent all of our savings on this tiger, and then I'm gonna fucking lock you in here with it. You got to escape the tiger. I'm like, who? What drugs was this person taking when they wrote this fucking film? I don't know. It was just people do shit like that. Who does that? Tiger King. Joe Exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy didn't get pardoned. Tigers fuck with your head. Did you see that, like, Joe Exotic, like, when he thought Trump was going to pardon him, he had, like, a whole party planned. There was, like, a whole limo, <laughs> yeah. like, decorated. Oh, yeah. in way. I was like, man, I can't wait to see what happens when he doesn't get pardoned. He must have forgotten because I'm, I'm just assuming that Donald Trump would love to pardon the Tiger King. I thought this was a great opening, and I appreciated how quickly it got down to business. I don't know you guys are saying, like, there wasn't enough Tiger. I don't know how much Tiger you want. It's not... Yeah, you know this isn't like the Discovery Channel. It's a horror movie. Um, I thought there was plenty of that. I didn't want more Tiger. Just Cat. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of Tiger in this. You fight her. I guess I was just distracted by all the nips, all the legs and nips running around. And I guess I, I, in my brain, I thought there wasn't enough Tiger. That reminded me (laughs) of. um, But that's a tradition. And actually, if if you look up um, the character Kelly, that is um, Brianna a vegan or Brianna a vegan. Kevin, you mentioned her filmography. You kind of shrugged it off a little bit, but if you look at her filmography, she's done a ton of horror movies. She's like a no, that's what I said. She's got quite a few horror movies. Yeah, a no, lot. I said she's got she's, quite a few. She's a full out um, B horror scream queen. So you know, she's like doing that thing. It reminded me in that sense a little bit of stuff like P two. You have like a mm-hmm. a woman, a, a distressed Good damsel call. in a tight tank mm-hmm. top, 
running around for 88 minutes. I mean, that's sure. that's part of the genre. I also that's didn't like that for. movie very much. It's <laughs> listen, I'm not. Oh, I liked the uh, whatever the actor is, the beautiful mind guy. I like creepy dudes. I want to ask you guys one thing though about the very early setup of this movie. So this we're talking about this is the stepdad and um, his stepdaughter and his stepson. The mother had committed suicide uh, with a pill overdose in the beginning. So at one point, very early in the movie, Kelly, the daughter, finds an old bottle of Seroquel that was her mom's. And she even like she holds it up and makes a big point of showing you. And she says, oh, Seroquel, mom, you were on everything. Which I like the dialogue in this. I don't know what why I guess talking about taking? sci-fi. I thought it was good. Okay. When that happened, I thought 100% for sure at the end, she's going to use the Seroquel on the tiger. She's going to somehow... The balls. The hamburger balls. Oh, she, she put, put them the, in the, the hamburger. Yeah. In the hamburger oh. balls. Oh, I didn't even That's get that. That's why he was a little slow there for a little bit there, and he took a little nap, I think. Oh, I didn't. I, I was wondering, like, this tiger seems like it could be a little more aggressive, to be honest. He's like, <laughs> yeah, she put the, the blue pills inside the hamburger balls and left them around the oh, house. Oh, I thought she was just using the hamburger to distract him from her. I missed that she was putting the pills in there. Okay. Right. That's why I asked, because it seemed like that had to happen. I think a lot of what we're talking about with this movie could be the fact that if you take the credits out, and I don't know if you guys noticed, maybe like, you just stopped the movie as the credits started rolling, the actual film itself is only 70 minutes long. So I think at Perfect. times there's a debate that could be made that this could have been like a short film or like a TV episode, like 45 minutes, you know, maybe like an hour long, you know, commercialist deal. Um, but yeah, they were definitely stretching out a uh, pretty ridiculous and basic premise to start with. And, you know, probably had to stuff a couple things in there. But but I agree with you, Dave. The the scene where she's going up in, like, the laundry chute to get away with the tiger is really good. So many scenes where uh, exactly that. Subconsciously, there's an extra layer of tension because you never know what Tom's going to do. And, like, there's that scene where he's, like, watching cartoons and the t- his sister's, like, full-on fighting the tiger and trying to hide from it. <laughs> and he's, like, watching, like, Tom and Jerry. Like, nothing's going on. Um, sort of adds to some of the surrealism and some of the ridiculousness of it. But um, I, I like this movie. I, I don't know how often uh, I'm going to go back and revisit it. But it, until recently, this was very hard to find. It wasn't available anywhere. I actually found like a used DVD copy at Bull Moose. Um, and it just only recently came back to streaming platforms. So like Trent said, it's free on Tubi right now. I don't know how long how long that will be, but it's good to see it, you know, back out there because I feared this was one of those, you know, little indie flicks that came out uh, at the turn of the decade in 2010 that, uh, you know, was just going to like go into obscurity. So here's the thing. The tiger is the stepdad. It is the stepdad's negligence, his idiocy, his malevolence, his drunkenness. He is the tiger. He is destroying what's left of this already half-destroyed family that's the thing that's the tiger tigers don't get drunk i think that this movie don't do that shit i think this is much smarter than you guys are giving it credit for i think that it's there's a lot going on and that is what i took from it and also we didn't mention there's a scene where kelly dreams of committing fratricide on her autistic brother Mm. which is really intense i i would revisit this in a heartbeat this movie knows where its bread is buttered 
Um, although she doesn't know how to spread jam, apparently. That kind of bothered me. She makes the PB&J sandwich. She just, oh, I know. She plops the jam right in the middle of the bread. Right. She right. doesn't spread it. And it cuts it in half. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, I can't recommend this one enough. I had a great time. I don't understand what you're saying about he's the tiger. Like, I think that's insulting to tigers. <laughs> I think tigers are noble beasts. They're dignified. I think there's a code of the jungle that they follow. This guy's just a selfish prick. He's human, 100%. In the first scene with Meatloaf, when Meatloaf sells him the tiger, he tells him, this tiger is not dangerous. This tiger is evil. Wouldn't you say the same revelation and realization happens with the stepfather? I think the tiger is a metaphor for the evil stepfather. Yeah, maybe. Boom. I'd argue that the tiger is not evil. He's just fucking hungry because humans are starving him. And the stepdad is just douchebag. A totally inanimate, non-jungle animal. Yeah, that, that didn't make sense. The one thing that really, well, look, I mean, nothing made sense. But he tells him, like, the way to control a big cat is to starve it so it knows who's boss. But that doesn't, yeah. like, how would you control a tiger by starving it? The more you starve it, he's, the more he's going to want to eat you. It's that, out of control. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. I mean, I don't know. Every Like, in the morning, my cats are very affectionate, and I know it's because they want me to feed them. So maybe I wait a little bit just so they'll, like, uh, like let me pet them for a little bit longer. I end up feeding them eventually, obviously. But I could see. I could understand the logic behind that one. Oh, um, one more thing. I loved when the tiger smashes the cell phone. That was one of my favorite oh, parts, too. Oh, that was the stupidest part. Oh, my God. He's like, oh, yeah. I know what this is. Chomp. Goodbye. I'm like, Too bad. Fuck? You're not going to be making any calls tonight. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's a really dumb scene, yes. I do like one of the things that they try to do at the end is he tries to, like, draw out the credits as they put up the big, like, humanitarian tiger stats. So I was like, I wonder if that's legit. And at the end, it says something like, you know, there's 100,000 tigers in captivity in the world versus 8,000 that are actually roaming the wild globally. So I was like, I'm going to fact check that. It's true. Only 10 years later, there's only 4,000 tigers roaming wild. And globally, mm -hmm. there's still like 100,000 in captivity. How come, how come no one, though, even for self-preservation tried to tame this tiger. This tiger came from the circus. This wasn't from the wild jungles. He was from the circus. He did tricks and stuff. The circus didn't like, want just get him. A whip he was too him. evil. He was too He's evil for this. He was like the Christine of, uh, in, the, in the car, I mean, of, uh, oh, of tigers. Like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, wow. Too evil. He was a Stephen King tiger. He was just born mm. evil. There's no way around it. Right, right. He attacked the horse. He 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 jumped over the fence and he went through all the other horses just to get to the prettiest horse. That's how bad he is. Get down, 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 get down.
Tigers and Tigers and Tigers. Oh my. Shudder is our favorite streaming service, or one of our favorites for sure. It's all horror movies, um, and they have a lot of great original programming. Tigers Are Not Afraid, uh, a 2019 Mexican film by Isa Lopez, uh, is a movie about tigers that I picked this week. And it's a gritty Spanish-language horror. Um, it's equal parts like City of God and then like Mexican folk horror. Um, the bedtime story that they, they these kids, these street kids tell in the beginning of this is also exactly the plot of The Tiger King. Um, but it's about these orphan street kids that they, they're avenging their parents' deaths uh, at the hands of local gang, uh, the Huascas. Um, and it's like a great mix of dark social realism, um, like his house. It reminded me of that in many ways. Um, and like fantasy horror, a little reminiscent of Guillermo del Toro. Um, but really a, more original than that. Um, it's kind of like selling it short to say it's like Guillermo del Toro. Um, uh, but again, it's a Shutter original movie. And I think it, this movie like put their whole catalog on kind of a, a different level, in my opinion. And it was like a moment I started taking the Shutter original stuff a little bit more seriously, and I think they really upped their game since then. Um, what do you guys think of Tigers Are Not Afraid? I love this movie, and this is a great example for me of the value in uh, re-watching something because I saw this as soon as it hit Shutter in 2019, and I liked it. And it was only 18 months ago, but I still didn't, Really, you know, I remembered like the basic idea. I remembered the end. I remembered that I liked it. And I don't usually, I'm not a big rewatcher normally until now, until we did this show. I always feel like, yeah, I've seen it. Um, there's lots of other stuff I'll never even get the chance to see. Why do I want to see something that I, I already got it? Um, I love this one even more now. It was really gratifying to go back and I was able to take a lot more in. I love the mix of the gritty realism and the horror fantasy. For me, it was perfectly done. I don't love the fantasy stuff in, in the horror a lot of times, but this gave me like just enough. I loved how they mixed that in there. Um, not too heavy. I loved the idea that the, uh, the kids think that the, the drug cartel is, they call them narco-Satanists. They're convinced that it's not only it's not only a drug cartel, but they also have satanic rituals. Yeah, they're queuing um, on. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very emotional, pulled at the heartstrings. I mean, the end of this movie, if you don't you know start feeling like you might have something in your eye, well, maybe you should check that out. Um, big big fan of this, and, and a bigger fan than I was the first time. Yeah, four paws up for this one. It's a great one. <laughs> I agree. I, I am a serial rewatcher. I want to watch a movie like a thousand times until I get every possible thing in it. But you're right, Trent. This is one of my favorite rewatches in recent memory because mm -hmm. I, too, jumped on this because, like what Dave said, this was a big deal that Shudder was getting this movie. This movie was a huge deal globally. I mean, it won 51 awards on festival circuits and in Mexico. And just the fact that Shudder went out and snatched it and we're like, yeah, this is a Shudder exclusive. Like, we have this. And the fact that it was written and directed by Isa Lopez. She's a huge, huge player in Mexican cinema and Spanish cinema. 
But oftentimes, it's, they just take her really brilliant scripts, and they don't let her direct them. So this one, she put her foot down, said, I'm going to direct this shit. And I, I didn't know anything about this movie. This was one that I had read. Don't, don't look up this movie. Just watch it. And not only am I happy that I rewatched it with the ability to take more in, but I love that we watched it for the show so that I could just nerd out and really dig into the making of this movie. So you have a group of, of children that make up your, your, your gang, your, your main gang. You have Shine, Moro, Pop, and Tuski. And then you have Estrella. And Estrella is the only girl in the gang. She comes home one day to find that her mother is missing, presumably killed by the Huascas. So she ends up joining up with this gang. And they have taken something from some very prominent gangsters from Kako. They've taken his gun and his cell phone. And his brother, Tio, is pretty pissed. They want their shit back because they have some stuff on Chino, who is the big bad of this particular part of Mexico. They never say it's Mexico City. I'm assuming it's Mexico City. It's where Isa Lopez was born and raised. So you take a really simple premise that if you explain this movie to somebody, they would never guess that it's Tigers Aren't Afraid. It's a bunch of ragtag kids from a bad part of town steal some shit from the gangsters. Gangsters want it back. Hilarity ensues. That could be the premise <laughs> for the Goonies, for, a, you know, for an action movie, for anything. you would. But what she does, the world that she creates, it reminded me uh, of Nosferatu, the Joe Hill novel and subsequent TV series that you can watch on Shudder. Just the universe that she creates is so amazing. And you're right, Trent. The, the fantastical elements are very emotional and very key to the story. They're, they, they're pointing you at who you should be paying attention to right now or what you should be seeing coming up. It's very subtle and very meaningful. It's not just there to fuck with some cool effects in post-production. It's actually part of the story. She would have had to written that into the script. Um, Good point. One of my favorite movies in the last couple of years, I never would have said that unless we had to go back and, and rewatch it for the show, and I'm really mm. glad we did. This is, yeah. Um, yeah, this is huge. I, I really like this movie. I thought it was interesting because it very much merged that fantasy, uh, the fantasy elements with the absolute heartbreaking real life horror <laughs> that these kids were experiencing. Uh, you know, you follow them as they've, you know, as they're trying to deal with the fact that their families have met these horrible fates at the hands of these buttholes, um, to put it lightly. Um, and as they're trying to survive on the streets in their own little orphan gang, their own little little rascal situation, um, that horror is mixed with Estrella's three wishes thing that I thought was like a, a cute little, you know, is it really happening or is it just she just thinks that it's really happening kind of a situation. Um, along with like the trails of blood that seem to find, you know, people around her and then the little bats or fairies or whatever flying around. I thought it was, you know... That part was was fun and interesting, but it was also just so sad. It was a really sad movie, and it was beautifully done. Uh, I thought the the kid, like the child actors, were a great centerpiece. Um, it wasn't, like, you know, I, I would have loved to see a Tiger Mall. Some of the gang members, to be honest, that's probably my only note. That's probably the only thing I wanted, mm. um, but I liked it a lot. 
You just want more tigers. We can't. You can't get enough. We could have like a tiger orgy movie, and you would be like, Listen. "I did not get enough tigers." <laughs> you tell me it's Tiger Week. I go in thinking I'm going to see tigers on tigers on tigers cutting each other up. Tigers gone wild. Tigers gone wild. But no, I got this emotional fucking masterpiece instead. What's the name of the uh, the emascu- the constantly emasculated boy uh, who's just always mad anytime. Anyone gives the the Australia any attention? Shine. Yeah, he's it's he's a weird, he's a weird uh, little dude. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you asked because after hearing Kevin say all the character names, I realized that I was about to do the thing where I just call them the name from the subtitle, like how it would sound in English. So I thought his name right. was Shine, even though I I heard it the whole time. Oh, Shine. Right. Yeah, Shine is. Uh, displaying, I guess, what um, now is uh, thought of as uh, masculine fragility. Shout out, feminist oh. theory. Uh, it used to, it it used to, Yeah, it used to just be called, like, you know, complex, normal human stuff. But I didn't, you know, I never, like, I never finished my book learning. I don't have a degree in any theory at all. Uh, mm. But that's, like, a constant theme in the movie is that he's, like, he was supposed to kill the drug dealer that has, <laughs> and it ends up uh, being... A, I would call her Estrella, but uh, Estrella. Uh, she she kind of uh, you know she kind of cocks him, I guess. I don't know, you know, uh, and that leads to like a lot of uh, a lot of like constant emotional turmoil that he has been one up to. He's not a man. He didn't do what the man they talk about. She like doesn't do anything. Well, all she does is do what he tells her to do. Like he and he he gives her these things that he doesn't think she'll do true and then she does him and, and he resents her for it because everyone's yes. like wow you're great that's a good point he he yeah i didn't really think about that that's true it was like all on his instruction but that's not enough for him he still feels like he's not a man he didn't do like the man's job and they talk about that he, he even says to her like you got to be a man <laughs> you gotta kill this drug dealer <laughs> like what well it's, it's crazy the movie starts out with the the stat that hundreds of thousands have been killed or are missing in this insane, you know, drug land. But there are no numbers for displaced children. And and that really gave me pause because hmm. you think about, okay, well, all of these people are adults and they stopped coming to work or they, you know, stopped. So, yeah, we, we have hundreds of thousands of adults that are missing in this drug war. And but we have no idea. They could have had seven children at home that we're not even tracking that are just out there on the streets now. And I like how, you know, she picked this little tiny, you know, sort of Goonies like gang to focus in on. But, you know, there are are thousands of those little gangs out there just trying to steal SpaghettiOs, you know, and maybe a drug dealer's gun and phone uh, just to get by. And I, 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 I was blown away upon a second watch with the the children specifically what you guys were just talking about the relationship between shine and the other boys in the gang and then estrella and her not even necessarily trying to win like shine's approval but their dynamic was really well done and it's like one of those things like this this may fall flat but just hear me out it's one of those things where you watch like a rom-com and you're like way into the relationship and then, ooh, something happens, and they, they break up for a minute. Ooh, but then they're back together, and ooh, and you know at the end of the movie they're going to be fine or whatever. Uh, this movie pulls that off in a horror, fantasy, you know, social commentary movie that it could start to get ridiculous how much Shine and Estrella's loyalties to one another flip-flop. 
But I actually thought it was one of the most powerful movies, and it made the final five minutes of the movie a total tearjerker. So what what's the deal with Estrella can hear the dead? The dead talk to Estrella, right? No, it's right. um, it's the so the movie starts um after the statistics and what they're and what uh, Isa Lopez put sort of as like the title cards. It starts with the the kids in class. Estrella is in class. And the teacher is telling them about how their assignment is to basically write like a fairy tale. She's sort of teaching these kids about fairy tales. Gunfire breaks out. The kids go into like a, what's clearly a very well-rehearsed gunfire drill. And the teacher hands Estrella, as they're on the floor, three pieces of chalk and says, these will give you three wishes. So her first wish, when she comes home and finds that her mother is missing, is to have her mother back. And so it's not necessarily that she can see the dead. It's it's the, her wish. Her wishes, as you see as the movie progresses, don't exactly turn out exactly how she wishes them. Okay, so but, okay. Yeah, but she does. Uh, she talks. So she hears she interacts her mom. with all of them at the end. She talks to like a hundred dead. She talks to lots of dead people in this. She talks to more than her mom. She talks to not only like two or three other dead people, but she talks to like. That doesn't the, the wish doesn't cover the fact of the other dead people that talk to her, visit her, that she talks to also. She actually talks back to them. I think I think but I think that's one of the sort of like unintended results of her. I think that is more of like the fantastical, okay, you want to be able to see your mom again? Well, here's a here's a side note. You're gonna see everybody that's dead. Or or maybe everybody that was killed like your mother was. We're right. going to let them all, you're going to be right. a conduit for all of them. Yeah, she kind of like, she basically is like the voice of all the deaths of this crazy uh, and very real life uh, drug war uh, that's just ravaging the land. I guess that's that's really the people that she hears from. And all the, all the dead people in this movie are covered in like makeshift body bags, like polyurethane. Oh, or something, so and, and they're still and they're still in that the whole time, and it's a it's a really great effect. And Kat, I thought you really hit it on the head when you compared them to the Little Rascals. <laughs> I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. That was what I thought. Yeah. Los Los Rascalitos. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great um, there's some great traditional horror cop stuff in this. I thought it was interesting how. The portrayal of the cops in this matches up with like old American 80s horror. And the kids even have the conversation where one of them says like, well, we got to call the cops. You know, they got this guy's phone and all this is toward the end of the movie. And um, and one of them says, well, who catches killers? And the other one says, not the police. Uh, and, <laughs> yes. and then they yeah. still go to the police and they actually try to show the police the phone and, and tell them what happened and the, the cop goes fuck that shit and they drive yeah. off <laughs> leaving the yeah, kids once in the they see who the it is yeah they're like fuck that they want nothing you? to do with it and that's you know I think that's part of the problem that uh, I think is pretty common in, in these situations they're like if you think law enforcement is um, turning a blind eye here um the 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 control that these cartels a lot of times have over local law enforcement everybody's so terrified of them because they're just going to come steal everyone that you love and kill them that you can't you know you can't even go to the cops yeah we laugh about it but that was actually a pretty terrifying heartbreaking moment especially the two children involved 
who, you know, thus far had just been like very compliant, following along with like Shine and Estrella's wishes and just being like good homies, good soldiers. It was so sad to see. And, and yeah, it's easy to laugh about it, but, you know, picture yourself a kid on the street and like the last thing you would think to do is go to a police officer for help. Right, because they don't even want to. They're hesitant, and they they and they you know they get it together and they do, and it's just like, see a kid drive off, they leave the kid in the middle of the road. I think Moro is maybe the closest thing we got to a daddy of the week this week. The <laughs> orphans. Is that the tall? Moro's the no, man. No, Moro is no. the tallest one. Moro's the oh, tiny one with that the doesn't tiger. talk. Yes, oh. with yeah, the, the plush tiger. tiger. No, he's no, he's baby of the week. Oh, baby of the week baby. as in a category. Oh, little BB. Baby of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a couple tigers. I forgot about the little uh, like uh, uh, stuffed one situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think the tiger theme in this is more like they keep reciting. I don't know if they're poems or just like old, um, you know, old things from their childhood or, or where it came from. But, they just keep talking about, you know, tigers are not afraid in this whole dialogue about um, or narration about, you know, being a prince and and the princesses and, and all this stuff. I, I like that stuff a lot. I, I realize there, there is an actual tiger in this movie in the last like nine seconds. But I, I like the tiger connotation in this one as compared to the blatant tiger in Burning Bright. It's, it's like about the imagination of the kids. Yeah, the exactly. The mentality of the kids. Lord of the Rings mention in this, I thought was interesting. Lord of the Flies, and Lord of the Flies. Well, the, yeah, but they mentioned Lord <laughs> of the Rings when they get to the big uh, mansion or whatever. Like this is like Lord of the Rings. Dave doesn't get that. I missed that part. What do you mean, do you mean I didn't get it? Was yeah, one of the kids mentions it. That's all I'm saying. Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to know. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of cool shit about this that made me really enjoy watching it again because I did do most of my research for this prior to my second watch because I was just curious. I knew that it was a pretty heavy movie, a lot of stuff that I probably missed the first time. But the kids that you see, uh, the, the main ones, Estrella, Shine, Moro, Pop, and Tuski, over 600 kids were screened for this movie. And the, the kids that you see acting, zero acting experience. The only thing wow. they did prior to this movie was they went to an improv workshop, an improv acting workshop prior to shooting. And then what Issa Lopez did, this comes up a bunch, um, is uh, on the show it does. I, I, well, for me, I feel the need to mention it. Issa Lopez did not give the children any scripts, and she filmed the entire movie chronologically, which I know I keep saying doesn't happen often, but apparently I say it enough that maybe it happens more often than I, than I think. Um, <laughs> but she did it to preserve the realist performances and the reactions of the kids. So basically these kids with no acting experience, no rehearsals, an improv workshop under their belt, were just fed that day's scenes as they were shooting them and the movie was unfolding in real time. I thought the kids were great in this. And, you know, we're we're talking about a lot of the fantasy elements and... Uh, having some laughs, but it's very, very heavy. I mean, there are brutal murders of children in this. There are children kidnapped and kept in cages in this. Um, I thought the sequence where the kids all talk about how they don't have any pictures of their 
dead and gone loved ones who have been taken by the cartels, like sometimes they have a trinket or something like that, but none of them actually have a picture of their lost families. I thought that um, there's a there's a funeral scene for one of the little rascals. I'm not going to give uh. it away, but uh, not everybody makes it. I don't think I think I can say that safely. And it is one of the most brutal things you're going to see uh, in any movie. So you know, be ready and be aware that this is very dark, very heavy. It's a very serious movie, even though it does use a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy and folklore and things like that. Yeah, the scene, one of my favorite scenes, and again, I, I know we keep point, laughing and pointing to, like, some of the more lighthearted stuff, but when they're all staying in, like, that big old building that has, like, a theater in it, and you finally see them have a childlike moment where they're, like, painting soccer balls at one point, and, like, Shine, you know, has pulls a total dick move and then redeems himself relatively quickly, but when they put on the imaginary talent show, like you totally oh, forget man. about how heavy the movie is for a moment. It's a it's a really that just shows how good of a universe she constructed and how good of a story that she told. That like literally, I was sitting there and I was like wicked pumped. Like, oh, I want to see what the next kid's gonna do. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, no, we need to get back to task here. There's some really yeah. fucked up shit happening. It's interesting that uh, when it starts, uh, the word Velvin comes on the screen, and then it, underneath it, it says Tigers are not afraid. But the, the translation of Welvin is, uh, like, the returned. Right. Oh, like the, I was wondering yeah. about that. And there's, I was, there's so many things the called returned. the returned. Yeah. Yeah. That I wondered if maybe that's why it wasn't translated exactly like that. But I like Tigers Are Not Afraid way better than, than the returned or the, go, the going back or whatever. Yeah, and that's, like, sort of, like, the catchphrase from the narration that keeps coming over uh, as they're, like, reciting that. Like, you, they keep saying Tigers Are Not Afraid. And you know, I'm sure they know how to market shit to uh, English-speaking audiences, and the returned or return and come back is not nearly as interesting as Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yeah, if it, if it was, like, a billion times smarter. I don't know. I feel like wow. Tigers Are Not Afraid is a lot less accessible. I think it's an interesting change. We see this a lot where the titles are changed for other markets, but I feel like the title is like to me that would be like huh what that's kind of a weird title I, I would think calling it the returned or something like that might be more marketable but who who am i to say yeah the tiger king flopped with tiger in that title oh wait no that didn't it did it that was extremely successful it's two words that's two words you know tiger king pretty easy yeah. uh i do just want to give uh one more shout out to isa lopez and you know, this is a director I think we should definitely be watching. And Dave, you mentioned it reminded you of like Del Toro. Well, Guillermo Del Toro considered this uh, the eighth best movie uh, in his top ten list from the year it came out. And now he's working with her. So he is oh, working wow. on her with a film uh, that Del Toro has called A Haunted Western about werewolf mythology. Yes, please. Oh. Sounds uh, great. Jason Jason Blum was quick to notice, and now he is working on her with a movie as well. Wait, wait, you you keep saying working keep saying on her on her with oh, a thing. I'm sorry, uh, it's working on a thing with her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, we we'll just reverse the words to get around that. <laughs> I apologize. Working He's working. Jason He's working Blum on her with her. He's working. <laughs> <laughs> He's working with her um, on 
something called Our Lady of Tears, which is based on a allegedly true story called The Haunting of Girls Town. I'm not going to go on a big explanation here. You guys can look it up if you want, but it's incredibly interesting. And then she's also supposed to be working on something with Noah Hawley, who does the Fargo TV show. And Noah Hawley was just announced as being the showrunner for an upcoming Alien TV show on FX. So good to see people going out there and recognizing this talent. Like I said, she was always getting her scripts optioned, but was never given the green light to direct herself. And uh, it, it's awesome to see to see a talent like this. Another person that loved this movie was Stephen King. His quote was, this is one terrific film, both tough and touching. Two minutes in, I was under its spell. Spellbinding, Dave Gutter. So, guys, we have an anniversary coming right up. Valentine's Day. We're like one of those couple. You know, we are. We're one of those couples Aww. who, like, met on Valentine's Day. And then Valentine's Day is their anniversary. That's Speak All Evil. Our first episode wow. of all time was released on Valentine's Day of 2020. So we'd been dating yeah. a little before then. We had yeah. been. We, we were did. Just we, kids. We, we did. We dated for a couple. Weeks. We put out our first amateur tape that's on true. Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it all began. And so this year we're going to celebrate and mark the occasion, not unlike a tiger, um, by doing a live stream. And if you keep up with us, I don't want to bore you with the details, but on Valentine's Day evening, we are going to do our first ever Speak All Evil live stream without a net. Mm. Yeah, there might, there might be tigers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, stay tuned for details on the live stream. Valentine's Day, one year. Celebrate with us. Love is in the air. Keep your flesh peeled. 